I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. I sat on the floor of a rented apartment in downtown Anchorage. I had managed to back myself into the corner of the living room after laying out what seemed like an immense and never-ending amount of gear. It was the start of my honeymoon in Alaska with my new husband, Luke. While he went to retrieve dinner, I prepared our equipment. We were setting out on our first pack rafting trip on the Sanctuary River, tucked deep into Denali National Park. It would be three days of off-trail hiking to reach the river's headwaters, and the sheer amount of gear was weighing heavily on my mind. A creeping, sinking feeling began to settle in. Before long, it became a visceral unease that tied itself up in the pit of my stomach. This undertaking wasn't too unusual for either of us. We first met while we were each solo through hiking the 567-mile Colorado Trail. A few months later, we reconnected back in Virginia, where we both called home, and the adventures have continued ever since. He got me onto a mountain bike, and in return, I lured him into a kayak. Luke eventually even pushed through his fear of heights and joined my affinity for rock climbing. While we can have fun on a bike, a kayak, or up a rock wall, we aren't advanced at any of these activities. As healthcare workers, we have a healthy respect for the risks associated with our outdoor endeavors, and we have always leaned towards the safer side, sticking to the intermediate biking trails, class three rapids, and single pitch sport climbing routes. But this trip, which involved taking on a new sport so far into the backcountry, was a big step up. I wanted to see what we could accomplish together, and Alaska, with its giant landscape, felt like the perfect spot to celebrate our union. So as I sat in the corner of our anchorage rental, the trepidation began to heighten. Were we too far beyond our skill level or experience? Were we pushing our boundaries too much? Had we gone too far? I know when trying new or more challenging activities in the outdoors, I can often be left feeling a mix of emotions. It's the pure joy, the empowerment, the invigoration of it that keeps me coming back for more. Not to mention the incredible sense of awe and humility nature constantly offers me. There is also the fear, the doubt, the anxiety, and all that uncomfortable discomfort that pulls at me and threatens to hold me back. However, it's exactly that discomfort that my time exploring canyons, rivers, and trails outside that has been one of my greatest teachers. It's enhanced my level of resiliency by learning to be more comfortable sitting with and setting in my own physical, emotional, and mental discomfort. 
Yet here I was, feeling full of dread. Was it the intimidating feeling of grizzly country? While I've navigated miles of wilderness off trails before, maybe it was the large distance we would be covering, or the rugged terrain of the last frontier, which offered several large, braided, and potentially dangerous river crossings. Or was it something more, something deeper, that the wilderness held a mirror to? In the short amount of time that Luke had been picking up dinner, I had gone from totally stoked to a downward spiral. Luke, reading my body language, entered into conversation gingerly. A forever optimist, I have still yet to see him express any form of stress or anxiety in the outdoors or really in any realm of his life. It's mind-boggling to me at times. It's one of the many reasons I fell in love with him. I finally let him in on the building discomfort and how scared I truly felt. As he always does, he met me with so much support, understanding, and respect. Without saying it, we both knew there was more lurking under my anxiety than just being worried about the trip. On the flight out here, it was clear my dad's year-long battle with cancer was nearing its final stage. Upon learning of my dad's diagnosis, Luke and I, who had been dating for two years, decided to get married to ensure my father could be there. Early in our relationship, it was clear to Luke and me both that we would be partners in life. So we figured why wait to complete a checklist we didn't create. The conditions in which we decided to marry would stand as a metaphor for the life we would build together, with our values leading the way. We had no idea how quickly his condition would worsen. And so, just four weeks after learning the news of his prognosis, our family gathered for a small, intimate, and beautiful ceremony. On a Monday in October at our friend's farm along the Susquehanna River, my brother and Luke's sister officiated the ceremony under awning of birch trees filled with sunflowers. After the elation of the wedding dissipated, months passed in a fog of medical treatments and appointments. Nine months later, my father was greatly outliving his prognosis. Luke and I decided to take advantage of Alaska's short summer and finally go on our honeymoon. And now, we were here. We eventually figured out how to fit our huge amount of gear into our packs. The next day, we made our way to the GPS coordinates we had marked on our map to where our journey would begin. The first day of hiking was a slow creep through willow shrubs and dwarf birches. It was packed with jaw-dropping views, confusing yet ultimately successful route finding and river crossings through the many channels of the Teklanika River. We sang Harry Belafonte's greatest hits along the way, because yelling, Dale, at the top of your lungs, in pure exuberance of the natural beauty, seemed like a logical way to alert any nearby grizzlies of our presence. When we eventually set up camp at 10 p.m. with tired, sore, and aching limbs, 
We each wore huge smiles across our faces as we looked out at the base of the enchanting color palette that danced along Cathedral Mountain. The intense stripes of orange and red lay as a contrast to the greens and browns that painted the boreal forest floor. I woke up early the next day to the sun casting a shadow of vibrant yellow hues, causing Cathedral Mountain to glow with the morning sun. Cathedral Mountain was a fitting name. It felt sacred here. The day started with nearly perfect weather conditions. With some minor confusion over navigation, we eventually found our route up and over Sable Pass and got our first glimpse of the expansive Sanctuary Valley. A wide flowing river sat in the bowl of towering mountain peaks. Each creek leading into the river looked like an arm that stretched upward pulling into it fresh life from the mountain peaks. I let the awe wash over me. The sense of tranquility was quickly upended. As we crossed over the ridgeline and made our descent into the valley, we were met with whipping and unrelenting winds. I was physically exhausted by the demands of the day, and now the wind was slapping against my body. Trying to make dinner was nearly impossible since the stove could barely stay lit. As I cooked, Luke attempted to secure our gear from being swept away. The wind tore a horrible path through camp all night, causing the top of our tent to hit us in the face as gusts bent our tent poles at unreasonable angles, leaving me with little opportunity for sleep. Instead, I lay awake, creating my own whirlwind of thoughts and emotions. Would we be able to correctly read which channels to run on the river? Given the likelihood of swift moving water from recent rains, I felt scared of flipping my boat. What happens if something goes wrong for us so far into the backcountry? I was spiraling out towards grim, unlikely scenarios. So far out into the great wilderness, with the immense wild beauty as my backdrop, my emotions caught up with me. The anxiety I had been experiencing leading up to and during the trip was simply a secondary emotion, masking deeper feelings of grief and sadness that overtook me in the tent that night. I was grappling with the departure of my dad's presence in my life. I knew in preparing to say goodbye, I was preparing to go through one of my hardest experiences yet. I was about to lose one of my biggest cheerleaders. My dad was my nature buddy, my inspiration to connect with the wilderness. He was the first person I would call after I experienced something magical or epic in the outdoors. He received immense joy from hearing of my travels. He clung to every detail, story, and picture I shared. He was my ground support, checking weather reports, assuring I had extra maps, providing any beta or guides he could find while somehow always finding a way to provide extra safety gear he thought I could put to use. I always knew how lucky I was to have his never-ending support after being given the gift of his love and admiration for nature. It was not lost on me that his impending departure coincidentally aligned with Luke's arrival in my life, that this person who was still fairly new to me would be riding front seat for the rest of my days. This was the vantage point my dad took great pride in experiencing for the first 18 years of my life, 
and had hung on to with pure joy for the next 12 as I left home to explore and learn about myself out in the world. While these were big shoes to fill, Luke seemed to have transitioned seamlessly into filling the special role. He not only supported me, but had chosen to come stand next to me as I walked this painful journey that had consumed our first year of marriage. The parallels couldn't be more obvious, which I reflected on as we held on to each other as the wind continued its treacherous path all night. With little sleep to speak of, we crawled out of our tent at dawn and made our way to the bottom of the valley. We had finally made it to the headwaters of the Sanctuary River, and the landscape surrounded me in its power. A new day brought a fresh new beginning. I felt a mystical presence in the air that morning as I observed the fog sitting low beneath the peaks, creating a glow of sunbeams that spanned the valley floor. It invigorated and comforted me. As we prepped our boats, the wind continued beating down, which made for swift and unstable conditions on the water. I remember looking over to my side, watching Luke prepping his boat, beaming not at the river and the mountains, but right at me. I knew I wouldn't paddle this journey alone. As he strapped himself into his boat, eager for the paddle ahead, I was reminded of his constant optimism. And so we would do this. We would step into the unknown. We would face our fears and head full force into the headwaters. Just like our very new marriage, we would experience its twists and turns on the river ahead. Like the swift moving water, we would even lose control at times. We would be swept up by the current life, pulled into eddies unexpectedly. Life would unfold and we would navigate the best we knew how, together. That day, on the Sanctuary River, I paddled the swiftest water I had ever run in a small and stable boat weighed down by days worth of gear. Yet, I met my discomfort with grace and compassion and paddled on. I knew that deep within my sense of self, tucked into my core, was the culmination of all the lessons the wilderness has taught me and would continue to instill within me. If I ride the waves of the swift-moving water, if I could make it up and over a treacherous pass, withstand brutal weather conditions, and do so with confidence, that I would continue to move beyond my own discomfort. A few weeks later, after returning safely from our trip to Alaska, Luke and I, alongside my mother, brother, and his wife, took turns holding my dad's hand in his final days, letting him know he wasn't alone. He was loved and cared for, and his life had meaning. While uncomfortable in all the heart-wrenching ways that life and the end of life could be, I remained grateful for my ability to have shown up fully, one step or one paddle or simply one moment at a time. I'm Jamie Vance, and this is my short.
Thank you, Jamie, for sharing your story. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Tigers in the Sky, Padelm, David Swenson, and Jesse Sidenberg. The tracks are courtesy of Track Club or the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Lauren Delaney Miller with additional production help from Ashley Langholtz and Becca Cahal. Artwork by Walker Call. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitz, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Support comes from Kuat Racks. Their Ibex Overlanding Truck Bed Rack is made to handle substantial loads both on and off the grid. You can go anywhere with it. Seriously, constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in seven different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half-height configurations. For more details and to visualize your Ibex configuration, you should do this. It's super cool. It's a neat augmented reality program. Check it out. See what it would look like on your truck. It works super well. Visit kuat.com, kuat, because you will absolutely love this overlanding truck bed rack.